Hello, Build to Scale listeners. Welcome to our podcast. The aim of our podcast is to bring experiences and opinions of different industry experts, founders, and investors on two key phases in startups' life. Number one, finding a product market fit, and number two, scaling. Before each interview, we will introduce you the professional background of each guest so you can identify the key topics and expertise you might need to hear right now as a founder on a journey to win your own game. So, let's start. Our first guest is Vit Horky, who is a startup founder and investor. He's the co-founder and general partner at Czech Founders VC, as well as founder of Czech Founders, a non-profit helping to support the Czech startup ecosystem. In his previous role, he was a founder and CEO of Brand Embassy, a B2B technology startup. He led the company from inception to opening offices in San Francisco, London, Dubai and Boston, acquiring Fortune 500 customers in 40 plus different countries, hiring over 130 employees and raising more than $6 million dollars in venture capital. In 2019, Brand Embassy was acquired by Nice, a publicly traded technology company. Vit has also previous rich founder experiences with his successes and also failures. He's an occasional business angel investor and external investment committee member of JNT Ventures, a Czech late seed VC fund. Moreover, he holds a board positions in various non-profits focused on impact innovation, youth entrepreneurship and youth education. So now I believe you are thrilled and ready to dive into this interview. Enjoy. Hello, Wit, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, Radka. Thanks for having me today. Actually, you are our first guests ever. So <laughs> I'm very pleased to share your story, experiences and opinions to all current and future founders who will listen to our podcast on their journey yeah, to make their dreams and aspirations a reality. As I believe nowadays, more than ever, we need to be more united and boost the collective confidence in creating and bringing products with impact. So uh, I would like to ask you actually directly, because in the last days you announced you are uh, taking a new role on yourself as a non-executive board member of the organization OSF, which stands for Open Society Fund Prague. It's a very interesting project that is being active um, in Czech Republic. So what's, um, what this role brings to you right now? What are your motivations and what are you looking forward to, to do? Thank you. Thanks for the question. Well, actually, Radka, like my, my main job is actually with Czech founders, which is a um, community of, of founders with global ambitions here in the Czech Republic. That, and we try to kind of accelerate the, the startup ecosystem here in the Czech Republic in a way that, you know, I, I got a lot of help when I was building my own startup uh, 12, 12, 13 years ago. So I'm trying to kind of like give back to the community and also we're running a VC fund. Uh, but besides that, in my free time, I, I try to dedicate part of my time also to um, either helping uh, the Czech school system to get modernized and being a little bit more, I would say, future ready. Um, and also, uh, I'm trying to kind of help with um, um, helping uh, like the Czech ecosystem in general to be a little bit more entrepreneurial. And Open Society Foundation is for me this connection of different 
fundamental values uh, about um, you know open democracy and uh, supporting engaged communities and individuals that are more in, in entrepreneurial as well. So hence my my new involvement with this with this great foundation. Yeah, so it seems you are unstoppable. I mean, uh, all the projects I, I follow you for for some time already are pretty intense. So what would you maybe describe nowadays? What's your role, especially in the Czech ecosystem? Uh, as you described now, we want to strengthen and push to be more entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, right? So how do you maybe see your role, like yourself? <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a great question that I'm asking myself uh, quite often. Because to be honest, when I was building my own uh, my last startup, Brent Embassy, my role was quite well defined. I knew what to do. I knew what we want to achieve. I know what's you know what what's you know what's my responsibility of what's the responsibility of my co-founders, my leadership team, and all the people within the company. After I you know um, exited the startup, uh, exited the company. Um, I was kind of thinking like, what kind of value I can add actually to to the business ecosystem in general. And what I found out that what I like most is being surrounded by like-minded founders who think globally, who wants to, you know, who want to change the world in a way and uh, who are excited by technology. And back in the days when I still had my own company, very often... I was, we were going through from one problem to another and I always needed somebody who could help me to kind of give me an advice, give me an experience, how did they solve a similar situation? So I, time to time, I, um, I invited a couple of my friends, fellow founders for a dinner and we kind of ended up having this personal, I would say, uh, you know, almost like a therapeutic session where we were kind of discussing our own problems with our startups, but also uh, very often uh, personal lives as well. And uh, ev with every dinner, many other people have kind of contacted us that they would like to come next time. And that was pretty much the beginning, very informal beginning of something that is called now Czech Founders. And it's a community of over 800 founders, both male and female, uh, founders with global ambitions here in the Czech Republic. And that's my kind of the main, mm, I would say, devotion of my work uh, time mm -hmm. to kind of trying to uh, build a united community of Czech founders here and also help them to accelerate um, their growth. Mm -hmm. Great. I mean, that's... That's amazing mission. And I would like to ask, did you miss this? Or maybe if you compare yourself either as VC fund or you run also, as you mentioned, non-profit organization, would you, um, how would you position yourself towards other uh, either VCs or accelerators that are here on the market? Yeah, well, uh, we, we founded Czech Founders as a non-for-profit non company, right? And because we're trying to kind of like accelerate other businesses we don't want to get rich by by doing it i don't even think that it's you know possible but every year we run a few surveys where we try to find out uh what the founders community think uh, is slowing them down most and in one of the surveys that we were running roughly 18 months ago um the founders mentioned that one of the problems that they see in the local ecosystem is a lack of 
um, pre-seed investors, so investors that are able to back founders at the very beginning of their journey, very often pre-launch, pre-revenue startups. Um, and we also saw, you know, that there that is not enough added value of many of the pre-seed investors here in the Czech Republic. So we decided to do something about it. And we have formed um, a VC fund that it's slightly different than, than the other VC funds here in the Czech Republic because it's fully community-driven, uh, meaning that we've got founders um, driving the fund. We've got only founders that are backing the fund. Uh, we're also um, having a um, great opportunity of using more than 45 super successful startup founders and accomplished founders um, that have committed not only their finance uh, to the fund, but also their time helping the portfolio startups um, to, to become successful. So we're both non-for-profit organizations as well as a small VC fund. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would like to ask this question, like how... Um... Founders or the exited or, as you mentioned, achieved founders, uh, how um, likely they are after they exit their startup do what you do right now, like give back and have still the energy to, to continue uh, evolving in the ecosystem and being innovative. Uh, what would you say? Not the real ratio, but maybe even the energy and appetite to give back um, in general, either in Czech Republic or yeah, in any other country you've experienced with. I gotta say, like this is one of the this is one of the reasons that I like so much working with other founders. But that is a mm -hmm. that that is a notion of helping other founders. Like most of the founders out here in the ecosystem or globally, um, they kind of recognize that most of the direct competitors are not founders that are in you know in a 20 kilometer radius around you uh, mm -hmm. most likely your direct competitors are large corporations out there somewhere in the us or in western europe or other startups but in completely different country so there is a notion of if i help my fellow founder um and maybe the fellow founder will help me in the future we both will win uh, and that's what I like, actually, uh, working with other founders. And I benefit from it as well, because when I was starting my last company around 2011, I got a lot of help from other accomplished founders uh, at, the very begin at the very beginning of my journey, where I was like super not confident and, <laughs> and not knowing what to do and, you know, doubting myself and what we do. So... I was super happy that I got, you know, some positive words and recommendations and advice from fellow founders. Yeah, I would also just break it down to the two words, confidence and support system. So thank you for, for this, doing it here <laughs> uh, with such a reach and potential. So maybe one specific question to the criteria uh, that you also mentioned on your website. I'm pretty much interested in what does it mean for you accepting pre-seed tickets or projects uh, with clear go-to-market strategy and strong executive team? Uh, because from my experience, this is like something you slowly build up or even the, execu the strong executive team is pretty much, I think, a dream <laughs> for any founder. So what's maybe this criteria for you in reality? Is it like 
something usual that already the projects that you, you are working with come already with this package ready in terms of the go-to-market strategy? Or is it something that you have to, you consider it to a certain extent and then you work with the founders and their teams on this particular point? Yeah. Well, I think at the end of the day, um, when a founder is at the very beginning of their journey, they just, you know, decided that they will go full-time working on, you know, some specific problem and they would like to build a startup around it. There are, <coughs> I believe, two things that for me personally are the most important. One is mm -hmm. the founder himself or herself or co-founders. Like, who are these people? What drives them? Um, why do they want to do it now? Why do they believe that they're, you know, best positioned to solve such problem? And uh, what's their motivation of, of doing it? And the second thing is actually um, the ability of the founders to really, really, really understand the problem that they would like to solve. Really being, you know, I would say passionate about not the solution, not the product they would like to build, but the problem itself. Why do they believe that they are the best to solve such problem based on an understanding of this problem into deepest possible insight? That's for me uh, the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. But understanding the problem doesn't mean yet and now a little bit make a bridge to the product market fit because what are we also seeing in different projects you can be super expert in understanding the problem, but then you can have it quite a hard time to actually figuring out the product or the solution, yeah, the solution, um, and even the customer to who you want to serve. So yeah. what from your experiences in this position with this um, set of uh, skills or the situation helps founders then to maybe even put the ego aside I sometimes call it like a, a hero ego because they would like to achieve and show, but I am not yet convinced this is the way to, to win the game. So what's your take on, on this situation? Yeah, that's a great point. And, um, you know, for what I lacked uh, when, I, when I was a founder and I, I guess, only um, improved over time a bit is going through this process of designing a product or solution to the problem that I know in a methodology, you know, uh, by following a, a strong methodology. And, mm -hmm. and that's something that um, I'm trying to seek in a founders in a very pre-seed stage is how methodological they are. You know, are they able to form a hypothesis that they would like to confirm are, are they able to set a short-term plan how to confirm this hypothesis? And if this hypothesis will be confirmed, what I will do next, et cetera, et cetera. Having this step-by-step you know, -step plan where failure uh, in confirming a, a hypothesis is actually progress as well, that I believe uh, you know, is for, for me personally super important. And I believe like a lot of founders, especially Czech founders, needs to improve in that. Very often, I believe that, and that's my you know, subjective point of view, is the founders kind of believe that when they speak with investors, they need to have it right already. They need to be clear about what kind of product they will build, etc. I don't think 
that it's true. I think that it's better to be open about where they are on this journey of seeking product market fit and where they are on this journey of designing their product. Yeah, I agree. I sometimes feel product market fit is like a black box. <laughs> and it's a, it's a crazy, sexy word that you can use. But then the reality to actually re realizing that do we have it, we don't have it, and reflecting on it with the methodology, then it's a different story. So here maybe do you have like a, one question or two questions you usually ask to like a little bit uncover who this person uh, that you are thinking of, either giving investment or just uh, giving an opinion on the project? Do you have some questions you always, always ask? No. No, I, I don't think I, I do because um, every founder is unique. Every founder story and the reasons of setting up a company is very unique as well. So I'd rather sit and listen rather than giving them a standardized <laughs> questionnaire. <laughs> <laughs> or sure uh, so let's imagine that uh, even from those projects that you have right now open and running um, because you are all on the both sides of the high achieving founder and now you're a founder but also the investor point of view you know it really well how do you um, evaluate um, the success or the process of the startup from the viewpoint of an investor, mainly if you already see that on the runway they raise money and those promises or milestones you agreed uh, or you communicated together, it's not really doing well uh, from the point of view as an investor. And eventually, if you can maybe also share with us uh, how the founder should uh, communicate or approach the situation so they don't uh, run out stressed and <laughs> and try to do it on them on their own basically right well in the pre-seed stage uh, there are not many numbers that you can assess there are no you know balance sheets typically that you can take a look at uh, there is no you know typically sales pipeline of 12 past months that you can take a look at etc so very often in the pre-seed, meaning very often pre-launch, pre-revenue stage of a company, or they just launched, but it, the product is running only for a few months, etc. Um, we're we're focusing a again what we've discussed already, and these are founders. Uh, we're we're focusing on the market itself. How big is it? How big is the problem? Who gets you know who feels the biggest pain? of this problem and if these people that feels the pain are they also the ones that are able to pay for a solution to this pain so these mm -hmm. are you know typically the areas that we're looking at um and uh we're frankly also looking at you know how we can add value to this startup because most of the founders they ask for active support um mm -hmm. at the very beginning of their journey and we're always Kind of trying to assess whether we can add any value since our added value is also given by our past experiences of me and my partners and our associates in the fund and also as well as by the limited partners that we're having as an investors to the fund so that's what we're kind of trying to assess as well uh, one thing however i would i would mention and that's super important and Look, I was failing with that as well uh, before I learned how to improve is 
if I'm going to say something to the investor about, you know, what I would like to achieve in the next three months or what's my plan and target for this year, mm -hmm. um, you should take a note what you actually said to the investor because very likely you're not going to close an investment in the upcoming two to three weeks. You might, you know, uh, want to speak with the investor again in three or six months. And it's super important to always try the discussion with, uh, always start a discussion with, hey, last time we met, we were discussing this. I was telling you this number uh, or these numbers, these KPIs, and here is where we are today. Here is where we failed at. Here is where we succeeded. And here are the numbers that I would like to achieve in the next upcoming three months. That's super important. This, this kind of consistency, um, you know, says a lot about the founders, actually. Okay. That's, yeah, I see that they are reflective and they can admit. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's a really good point. Thank you. Uh, and in terms of maybe any misconceptions or experiences that um, founders think that are easy to achieve during this like journey for the first 12, 18 months. Is there anything else besides what you, what we just mentioned is uh, the first thing I, I know that I kind of highlight is also what you said right now. So being consistent and uh, being more methodological. Is there maybe something else that you see that founders need to put more attention to? Um, one thing that I would mention, although it, doesn't have to be the most important thing. It just kind of popped up now is um, the the ability of the founders of being honest and transparent with the investors. Okay. Um, I when I was building Brand Embassy, I always kind of felt this pressure that I need to prove to my investors that we are doing well and it's going to be successful. They're not going to lose their money. They're going to actually get a lot of more money. Uh, from from this venture than what they put in. Mm -hmm. But frankly, like very often, <laughs> we were not at that stage and I was not that confident <laughs> it would be successful. <laughs> and I was always like balancing whether I should be totally honest with the investors or whether I should pretend that we're doing well and it's going to, you know, play out somehow. And over yeah, time, and, you know, a few investors actually helped me quite a lot, namely Onze Fritz, uh, the founder of Mall, and nowadays uh, general partner of Reflex Capital here in the Czech Republic told me, like, nobody expects from you that you're doing well all the time. Like, we know that you're going through problems. We can feel it. So, mm -hmm. so actually share it with us. So A, we might help you, or B, when you will really need to call us for, you know, fast money because you don't have enough to, you know, pay, you know, uh, the salaries of your people next month, etc. We're going to believe you because you have provided us with consistent and honest feedback of where the company is. So that that was actually one of the one of the biggest learnings that I had. Uh, in relationship, in in relation of building uh, a healthy relationship with investors, and I kind of advise other founders to to be open and transparent since the very beginning, uh, working with mm -hmm. with outside investors. Yeah, thank you, thank you for supporting and saying that it's not easy, <laughs> like because we are humans, right? And uh, for me, seeing a lot ego is is actually a word that I think I have to 
work with that very easy and try to maybe not use this word because uh, we are, I, I find people very sensitive on this topic. But what you say is in different words and it's very important, I think, to definitely support it from the day one that they can be open and have this trust also from both sides. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll try to also go back to Brand Embassy, so your company that you exited. Um, are there any particular experiences that you could imagine avoiding or also experiences that you would actually, I mean, not love, but suggest founders to all go through because they will give you um, a lot of pain, but actually is the way to, to win the game uh, to whatever level you want to bring your startup right now. Yeah. Um... Like I'm, I'm, I'm super happy about what we have achieved with the company, and I'm super happy that we have, you know, we we've ended up being seven, eight years independent, highly growing company with Fortune 500 companies as our customers in more than 35 countries. We have employed over 120 people, great people here in Prague and in US, Dubai, and Latin America. We had a we had a great journey and I only see it now, four years after the exit, how great and fruitful this experience was for me personally. However, I think that we made a couple of fundamental mistakes at the very, very beginning. One is that we were so focused on product market fit mm-hmm. that we have, and we have spoken with you know, our customers all the time, we had a business to business enterprise level software. So we were speaking with our customers. We had paying customers since the very beginning of, of, of launch of the company and of our product. However, the problem was that we haven't analyzed enough how big is the market. So although we had a great relationship with our customers, I would say that we have achieved some sort of product market fit very early on in our journey. We haven't realized that the ability of expanding this concept globally is super limited. And the ability also of customers paying way more money for way higher value of our product in the future is limited as well. And that fundamentally, I believe, also limited the potential of the company as such. And I don't want to repeat this mistake in the future again. Okay, okay. So would you advise with this, like, having really more time spent on the analysis of the future potential and the vision where the product could actually go? Uh, because what I see, it's like once the startups get an investment, there is a lot of fire, energy, but a lot of pressure to perform fast. So there is limited, basically, time, of course. Um, and the question is if this should be, like, the core I understand from you that yes, and how much of time and uh, might be even argumentation to, to the investors startups could use on this point. So they don't lose the credibility and uh, of actually knowing what they are doing towards yeah. investors or any other stakeholder. Yeah. L- look, like at the very beginning of a startup, nobody has, I believe, enough time to analyze data from analysts and from, you know, research groups and gardeners and foresters of the world, you know, how big is the market, how ready is the market to, to pay for your solution, etc. It's, it's just like you need to have some some sort of data to convince yourself 
that the problem is big enough and the market is big enough and you need to convince your you know fellow co-founders key employees as well as investors um, but I believe like the, the the number one focus should be actually on um, understanding the problem that you'd like to solve and designing the solution to this problem to very first customers hence having a really good and fast uh, track record first customers users etc at the very beginning but over time probably as you enter seed stage you wanna you 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 might want to have another round of investments or you might want to hire your first one two three salespeople into your company um, in a case of b2b startups um, that's the time where I believe the founders should dedicate a little bit more time of really understanding how big is the market and how they can tap uh, into the larger market in the coming year or or two. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, where we failed, for example, with Brent Embassy to some extent. We haven't realized that uh, our market was largely a um, spread out. So it wasn't one cohesion coherent market it was many small markets hence uh, difficult to kind of get in and b the ability to pay for a solution on these markets was very limited as well mm-hmm. i'm not sure okay. i understand oh. <laughs> that was well. on, on, on my watch wanted to say something as well yeah, it's always good to have siri <laughs> in podcast thank you <laughs> well yeah i agree um so maybe to um to slowly close the podcast even i have much more questions to be honest to ask you however (laughs) the time is uh, our enemy right now (laughs) um to brand embassy um is this um, something that would yeah i mean in terms of now how you see it is there a way that founders can maybe build the company a bit differently? I mean, it's a lot of pressure. There are these all, like you are building amazing uh, community of founders helping. But is there maybe different little bit approach to building your dream project or solving a product? Or there is only this more stressful, unknown, insecure way <laughs> nowadays uh, for founders? Uh I would love to have an answer, educated answer to this question, but I, I don't I don't believe I, I, I can have that one. Um I can only say my opinion. And that is like if you wanna have like a comfortable entrepreneurial life, then like nothing is stopping us to do a great local company with great locally used products and having plenty mm-hmm. of free time, etc. If you wanna build something that might have a global ambition might at some point become a globally you know recognized perhaps billion dollar company or 10 billion dollar 20 billion dollar company um most likely you will need to be the best in the world in your particular market that's not easy thing to do and it's going to be a hard journey um Mm -hmm. so that is nothing you know that is no shortcut to to a global success i believe so it's going to be hard. On the other hand, you know, I benefited greatly from support from fellow founders, from investors that gave me a lot of feedback here locally in the Czech market. 
Check Founders mm-hmm. is not the only organization that it's you know trying to support founders out there. A lot of you know other investors are doing it. A lot of um, you know seasoned founders are are helping in a way. So I only believe that there will be always enough potential support that you as a founder can get. Um, and it's up to you whether you want to use it or whether you want to have your own journey. Um, journey of successful founders is always unique. Uh, that's what I learned. So uh, <laughs> for every successful startup, that is a unique journey. Uh, how do they achieve uh, the success? Yeah, I love this. is a very, very nice uh... Very nice sentence. Thank you. And uh, maybe, okay, last few questions. Uh, I'm really curious to hear from, because you are either, you have your own VC fund or you are also a board member of other VC funds. So I definitely want to ask you this question. What do you think or what's your experience in startups are still failing? Because there is those scary statistics that have high numbers, of course, of startups that fail. Yes, it's a huge competition, like you mentioned right now. It's a unique way to to that to success or to win the game but what would you say are the key pain points that's all right either they run out of the energy or are there any more technical i would say that's what i want to hear more technical parts of the failure that could be um i wouldn't say avoided but maybe founders could have it more on their mind um i don't think i can give you know a great answer to this i'm still new into investing i would say however i believe like the persistence and resilience of a founders is super important like you know it it, it makes sense that uh, you know 99 out of 100 startups will not be the global successes and 9 in 10 startups will you know uh perhaps not live in the upcoming 5 years it makes sense because you know startup is about building something globally successful and only a fraction of of these startups will succeed but having persistence and resilience means that you're going to through you're going to go through so many different crises your personal crises your work crisis you know company crises you're going to argue with your co-founders you're going to argue with your you know investors with your employees uh, there'll be so many moments when it might be seen as acceptable to say, you know, let's give up, let's do something else. And I, mm-hmm. even my closest friends and investors at some point told me so. And I'm actually okay. glad that I didn't listen that much. Um, <laughs> that. Thank you. Uh, okay, last three questions. Um, how long? Okay, but these are not business questions, maybe one. <laughs> how long do you sleep now? And how long have you been sleeping before when you were fighting with Brandon Bessie to bring it uh, where you successfully brought it? <laughs> yeah, I, I sleep much more now. Um, um, but it was, you know, <laughs> I've got three small kids still. So um, my sleep is <laughs> getting interrupted sometimes uh, during the night. But I, I have much better and uh, much better sleep now than than before i should have focused more a little bit more on on sleep and healthy diet etc when when i was building my my startup okay okay well that's important i think that's uh, nobody much discusses that <laughs> healthy healthy part of that thank you uh and last question is there anything from the current activities uh that maybe you would like to share or 
tell to our listeners they should really uh, look into it and follow either uh, projects you have right now in Czech Founders or some message to other investors or experts right now that the year 2023, I believe, is going to be quite massive in terms of the changes. Um, is there anything that you keep now saying people around you like, okay, look, focus on this or believe that? <laughs> Yeah, well, I I can only like if if you're a founder with global ambitions uh, here in the Czech Republic or Slovakia, go to czechfounders.org and register to the community if you haven't done so yet. Um, and if if you want to, you know, you can take advantage of, for example, Czech Founders boot camps that are kind of like an intensive program for for founders to accelerate their growth of typically pre-launch or just launched startups. Um, but we are also running mastermind groups, for example, this kind of personal advisory board kind of sessions that you can take advantage of. And very soon we're going to be launching um, another great initiative to, that we'll be announcing on, on our LinkedIn, on our website. So uh, if you're going to register, you're going you're to hear about it. Amazing. Vid, thank you for the energy you brought to, to our podcast. It's amazing to see what you're doing, even with, as you mentioned, with your beautiful family. I can't imagine that yet, but uh, <laughs> combining the two, I think it must be beautiful. So thank you for that. Thank you for being an inspiration and active member of, of Czech and international community. And I hope to yeah, follow up anytime and share your experiences as you grow, because this podcast for me, my aim was to hear your opinion, no matter at what stage, even as you mentioned, of uh, investment experience you are but i think this is important to also hear um yeah not being also you know like perfect investor high achieving founder to hear all those ingredients and the journey uh it's something that builds at the end the confidence to continue and so thank you for sharing your time with us thank you so much for having me in thank you appreciate it thank you and have a great day everybody <laughs>